All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com, as always, back for another episode. And it's Oregon State, Washington. Oregon State sitting three and or one and three. I wanted to say three and one so bad, but uh, not be able to do that this year with the way the team has been playing. But they get the Huskies coming into uh, to Research Stadium. I'll be at that game. Angie, are you going to be at that game? I will be there. Not. Uh, I'm just glad we don't have a bye again. The bye was fun. I, I will say I liked I liked having a bye, but uh, all I know, and Beaver fan might feel the same, is I watched some football games that kind of depressed me if I'm a Beaver fan because I'm seeing other programs that maybe Oregon State was better than a yeah. year or two ago take steps that looked forward. Um, although I was had it, went to bed with a happy feeling after watching that Arizona State game. <laughs> well, as I say, imagine I'd imagine for other Beaver fans out there, they're probably feeling the same, and then. You you were just completely not uh, talking about the seven o'clock game that was happening in Tempe and the way that outcome was. I'm sure a lot of Beaver fans were at least happy about that part of it. Um, what program specifically were you referring to just there? Um, you know Cal. Watching Cal, they uh, they lost to USC, but they put together. They played inspired football, I guess, if you throw it out there in coach speak. You know they they uh, fought hard. SC, you know, has a ton of talent, but um, I really liked what you saw from a Cal team with a brand new coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I, I I was a big fan of of the Wilcox hire just because I'm I'm really biased. I know his brother Josh pretty decently. He's a great guy, um, and the Wilcox name has just been a staple in the state of Oregon with football for so long. And then he made his staff hires, Tim DeRuiter. I liked that one. I loved Greatwood. I still think he's a good coach. And then he went out and got Bo Baldwin to leave his head coaching gig at the FCS level to be his offensive coordinator. And I tweeted it out. It was early in the game, and I know the outcome. They didn't score many more points after I tweeted it, but I still think it's going to pay off for them long-term. I thought that was a home run hire going against Bo Baldwin. What he has done for that offense, this was a year, Angie. Remember, Cal was supposed to be the laughingstock of this conference. They were basically supposed to be what Oregon State has been, and it's completely shifted the other way where Beavs are 1-3, and three, Cal is 3-1, and one, and I think a big part of that is not only Justin Wilcox, but it is the staff hires of like a, a Bo Baldwin at OC. Yeah, you know, and Bo Baldwin is such a, an interesting name because I know on Beaver Blitz and then you know talking to other Beaver fans each week at games, that's been a name that they've had kind of on their short list as a Beaver fan for years since I think since Eastern Washington came in and beat Oregon State in, in research. So um, to watch what he's doing, it's it's kind of an exciting offense. They they put up some yards and uh, no, they they looked. You know, like a well-coached, uh, well-put-together team. You would have to um, you'd have to fill me in on what Blitz is like conversation-wise, but I can just tell you this week doing the radio show um, on Twitter and on we have like a text line. People text into the show just their opinions or disagreements or agreement, whatever. Um, what I've heard a lot, and I was not shocked, but I guess a little surprised, is the Bo Baldwin love of I've had people like tweet me fire Gary Anderson hire Bo Baldwin like no yeah. I, I, I wanted Bo Baldwin the whole time like I know it's easy to do that now that the Beavs are one in three um, but are you seeing are you seeing uh, or hearing a, a similar sentiment on your end oh completely and, and you know before Gary Anderson was hired that was talk that you know a lot of Beaver fans thought he'd be a great great hire to go out and get him you always have the the contingent that wants to you know bring back a former beaver you know like a jonathan smith or somebody but there were a lot of people um on blitz before anderson's hire you, you know when when coach uh riley was still in play even you know it was bo baldwin give him a shot and i you know what i'm surprised about angie i don't know what cal's paying i i know they're uh they're a private institution right isn't cal private no no they're they're public they're public that i'm getting them mixed up with stanford sorry stanford is, yeah. um I don't know exactly what they're paying. I just wonder. It's hindsight is so easy, and I know we've done this a lot on this podcast this season because of how bad they've been. I just wonder what did it take financially to get Bo Baldwin to be an OC and leave his head coaching gig. I think he was only making, you know, two hundred as as head coach at Eastern Washington. So what, is he, what do you think he's making out, Cal? Because they're not they're not sitting there strapped with money. No, they don't have a ton of money. I don't know. I mean, is he is he making five six hundred? I, I don't know. God. And, and that's what I can't help but wonder. Because that's a guy that wants a head coaching gig, and he, he's not going to be there very long. No. But, man, if he's, there, if he's there two years, two seasons, three seasons, Cal gets back to being a very respectable program, eight, nine win type program, he's gone. And here's the thing, even if he's gone after two or three years, I would still rather have those two or three years, help build a program up. And I think I can't help but have that feeling, Angie, watching this team be 
inconsistent on offense, struggle with identity somewhat, and then watch Cal in the first year where they were supposed to suck go out there and sling it around and hang with teams like USC. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, it, it's interesting because it brings up, and I, I, we, were, we talked about maybe going this direction with the pod today, but it brings up an interesting point. And I, I actually received um, kind of a written manifesto, if you will. I haven't even read it all yet, but from somebody that's pretty tied into the program. And it was interesting because a lot of what this person is saying is very similar to some thoughts that I've had that we've, you know, put on Blitz um, and our he said, she said. And, you know, Coach Anderson was hired. It was all about trusting the process. And we've heard that so much. The, the thing is, there's been so much change, right? I mean, there's changes at the OC level, changes with the offense, changes um, with the offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. I mean, we've seen, we've seen tons of change in, what, two years, two and a half years now of, mm-hmm. of coaching. And I think it stems from, honestly, some maybe impatience, by the head man himself, right? I mean, he wants to win. He wants to win now. And so he's fiddling maybe a little too much with his process and not letting it play out. All right. Well, then I think that I think there's validity to that for sure. And I think you can see that. So let's say their season continues to go this way then, right? And you say he's tinkering with it and he's not patient enough. Well, right now, I don't know if the fan base wants him to continue to be patient or they want him to start being patient. So let's say you get to the end of the year. Let's just be generous. Let's say they get another win, and they finish the year 2-10. and 10. He's back to what he was in year one. Do the fans want him to be patient, or do you want him to react yet again? That's, that's the hardest part, right? And I think you look at this. You know, I, I look at, at Gary and at press conferences. I mean, he looks tired. We're only, a, a, you know, what, a quarter of the way, third of the way through the season, and he looks exhausted. I don't think he's probably sleeping well. I don't think he's eating well. Um, he looks stressed, which, I mean, He's getting paid a lot of money to uh, to do this and uh, make this team a winner. But you know, I, d- I don't know if everyone in that Valley Center is maybe is is dialed into getting this thing flipped around as fast as he is or as fast as he'd like it. But the question then is, yes, do fans want him to tinker more? I, I, I look at people on staff, and I'm not going to throw people under the bus, but I do think recruiting could be better than it is right now. Mm-hmm. And granted, it's hard to recruit when you're you know. One and uh, one and ten, or two and two and nine, um, or two and ten, and, and one and eleven. But they're just—I mean, something's got to give. And so it is. I mean, what would you do? Flip it back at you. I mean, I'm, I'm not answering it because I do think some changes need to be made. But well, I, think you, just, I think you answered it right there. I think yeah, I think yeah. you're you you just you. I, and I get it. Like, there's a delicate balance here where you're somebody that's at practice. You have a reporter down there, and Amy. You got to be, you want to be fair. You know, you don't want to be the Stephen A. Smith of Oregon State football. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, right? Yeah, and, every week it's something different. You know, fire the coach. But I no, think it's, no, you know, it's, it's easier for me to be that kind of person that just has no problem saying, oh, they're doing great. Or no, they, they suck. Because one, I, I really don't go to games much anymore as a media member. Right? It's usually just as a fan. And two, I'm not at practice like I once was uh, five, six years ago. But I mean, if they're going to be two and ten, and recruiting slipped, I don't know why you wouldn't make a move. Yeah, yeah, and it's been interesting. You know, this is something typically we'd we'd put, um, you know, in Beaver Blitz confidential. But it it came across my phone right here, a text from Amy, um, and it does sound like Coach or uh, Scott Barnes has been at practice more. So, you know, obviously there's some heat in that program right now. The ADs at practice more. The ADs have been at practice more. God, that is not a good sign. Not a good sign. I, they, he can spin that all they want and say, well, yeah, Scott's been busy. He's just now catching up, wanting to make sure that he's touching base. They can spin it however they want. That's not good. 80s, I, I, maybe at the biggest programs like Ohio State's or Bama's of the world, like a Greg Byrne, maybe they take in practice more frequently. But for the most part, I don't remember that ever being a thing. Like I'd see Bob DeCarolis here and there with Riley. You just you don't see that very often. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is. I mean, as an AD, especially, I mean, it's, it's not a well, I, I'm going to say it's not a huge thing, but it is. I mean, because you're right, they they aren't. But you want he's new, so in some ways the AD needs to be up to speed on what's going on with the program. So when he's talking to boosters, he knows you know what's going on. Yeah. Um, but typically ADs from you know I've been in college athletics now, gosh, for what almost 20 years, 17, 15, 17 years, something like that. But um, you know the ADs will swing by maybe at the end, say hi, shake some hands with the players, tell them good job. Um, but it might be once every week, two, 
week or two. Yeah, they're not uh, there every day. They're not there checking things out, uh, you know, consistently. Well, and we we mentioned the uh, the Kloon stuff on two like two podcasts ago of Gary Anderson being in in meetings with him, um, being in the film rooms with him, and, and kind of just shadowing Coach Kloon right now, the D coordinator for Oregon State, and. Like I know it didn't show on the scoreboard. They gave up a ton of uh, yards and, and points, but I thought the defense actually played better than the offense. Um, yeah, you know, Washington and that's something, State. you know, it's interesting because that's, you know, Coach Anderson has been um, very, um, you know, visible with the defense. And Coach Kloon addressed that today um, after the practice. It was defensive day for for coaching availab- coaches and player availability. And, you know, he said he loves it. Now, granted, what's he going to tell the media? But, um, you know, he said he likes having Coach Anderson. A, they've been together since, like, 97 or known each other since 1997. But, you know, he said it's just that other another defensive mind to bounce things off of. And, um, you know, the players like Coach Anderson to be in there, I think, and uh, gives them, you know, just another set of eyeballs. But um, it's definitely a, a different vibe down in uh, Corvallis right now. I think I think one thing to watch here in the next two weeks, because I'll be at the UW game. My cousin's a UW alum, and we went to the Oregon game last year, and I wanted to take him to research. He's never been to Reeser. Um, so I'll be at that game, and then I'm flying down to L.A., and I'm taking in the USC-Oregon State game. Um, I just want to see... What happens with the locker room? I think that stuff is always real in any sport. I see it in the NBA. I've seen it f- up close, like Houston, the Houston Rockets. I, I don't want to sidetrack too much, but like the Houston Rockets with Dwight Howard two years ago. Like I watched them at the end of their season in Portland. That team had completely quit on their coach and their whole situation. I've seen it in college football. And I just wonder if we're going to see that from the Bees. If they go out there, this spread, I'm a real degenerate. This spread right now is 26 and a half. The Beavs are 26.5-point underdogs to Washington. If they go out and Washington wins, say, 47-17, to so they win by 30, where do the kids' attitudes and mindsets go? Are they a dejected group enough to check out and the locker room quits? Or do they re-engage, they get ready for L.A., and they come back and try to get another win? I, I just I think that's the most fascinating part of their year thus far because there hasn't been a lot to highlight individuals here and there. like a David Morris is a good story for example but I want to watch that that is the intriguing part because to me Angie that will absolutely dictate the changes a hundred percent if this team checks out and quits I don't know how most of this staff is back oh I, I completely agree and and that's you know talking to sources down in Corvallis that's not the case yet you know that the team is still bought in and I, I think we saw that um, Washington State, I didn't see the quit, right, that we've seen, you know, three of the games that we've seen this, the second half quit. Um, the, the locker room has really rallied around Daryl, and I think that, uh, you know, he, he has some of their trust, especially in, you know, offense. Um, so I'm anxious to see. Now, I don't think that translates into a win for the Beavs against number six Washington, but... No, I don't, think there's I, a, I, I don't think there's 85 magic happening this weekend. No, no, but... What I do think happens, you know, I, what I want to see is, like you, has this team, you know, will this team fight and will they rally? And, you know, what, what's disturbing to me, and maybe maybe it's not. I mean, I I'm never played football in my life. But today Coach Kloon mentioned that, you know, he said it's, it's not visible to fans necessarily or people watching TV, but he has been seeing improvement each week, small steps of improvement. But what they still need to work on is communication and tackling, which – I'm not going to argue with, but at the same time, is that not concerning that we are in week six of the season and this is Division One college football and you have problems tackling? I don't know. That struck me as like, wait, what? Well, I mean, you're a, what is you say week six? I thought it was week five. Is this week five? Am I wrong? I guess it's this? week five. You're right. Five. We had, Oregon State played that zero week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Right. I'm just, I was just no. I was just sorry. thinking like, damn, the midway point already. Right. Like five or six. I guess ultimately it doesn't matter. I'm with you. Like communication, you should have, I mean, I, I would prefer you have your communication ready before week one, but I get yeah, it, I yeah. guess, you know, a feel-out process. and A couple young guys coming in or whatever. Yeah, like game exposure is different than running it in practice with some, um, some local officials, right? But, man, week five, and, and that is the thing that you're still saying. I, I'm with you. That, that is growing concern. And here, I'll take it a step further, too. With what you're saying, I really respect that guy, but I've also been hearing that for three years now 
Of yeah, no, completely. These kids are close. Like he said this after their week one loss um, against uh, Colorado State. The defense got shredded. The offensive line didn't do much. And he went on and he basically was saying the same thing. We're a lot closer than people think. Uh, and Or maybe when I said that after Portland State. But either way, he still said the same thing. And I've been hearing that now for three years. Year one, it was like, this is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But I think we're close and we can build off this and we'll see what we do. And then year two, it was struggle, 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 win your last few games. I, I think we're a lot closer than people think. And then coming into this year, it was, I think we're a bowl team. And then you struggle, struggle, struggle. And we're hearing it again. I think we're closer than people think. It's it's at some point the rhetoric. I try to be as as independent with my thought and feelings as I can. Take fandom out of it. I I see why even the most diehard Beaver fan that's emotionally attached would get annoyed or if not kind of just roll their eyes because I feel like we've been hearing that for three years. Yeah, I mean maybe the overpromises. Is it you know is it an overpromising? Do you think he's or- overpromising? As, I, I don't know. Maybe not overpromise is the right way. I don't want to. For me, I don't want to say it's overpromise. For me, the way I view it is just it's it's beating a drum. Like it, yeah. it's just it's over and over. It's the same stuff. We got to grind it out. You know, we got to stay locked in. We we got to go out there and fight. We gotta. We're closer than people think. Those like same three or four. Saying the coach speak, um, the coach speak yes. those, those are his go tos, and I've heard it for three years, and it's not resulted in many differences. Yeah, I guess that's exactly. what I'm trying to say, and and I think that's where the fan base is. You know, I, I the fan base and you know Beaver fan tweet us, you know, at Brandon Sprague or at Angie Machado one, let us know. But that's what I'm seeing on Blitz. That's what I'm seeing on Twitter. A lot of fans are just kind of like done with the rhetoric. You know, we and we have people on Blitz especially saying, you know, oh the media, you guys need to ask tougher questions. You know, you need to get in there. The thing is, you're not going to get a different answer. Well, I, I guess you're, you're going to end up just pissing yeah. them off. Yeah, I guess Which, that would. I'm be- not afraid to to tick off the coaches. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. But yeah. at the same time, it's not like the answer is going to be different. I guess that would just be you know that person that that says that, and I I do get it. I mean, there's questions that sometimes you you have to ask them. There's no way you can't ask not ask a coach a certain question, right? But my only response to this is, what question do you really want to ask that hasn't been yet to him? And if it's something along the lines of why is your program not good? in year three or something along those lines. It really is as simple as we can ask those questions, but then there is anger to the point where you're you're basically going to be ignored for the next however many weeks until that coach gets over it. They don't forget that. These guys have, um, they have egos too. They have pride. A lot of these coaches don't like talking to the media in general. And, and so, they don't want to throw their players under the bus, right? You know, I mean, it, it would be easy exactly. to, you know, if they wanted to sit back and say, you know, well, player X didn't do this and player Y didn't do Z. Um, but, you know, I, I remember I, it was a great day, too, but I had a conversation with Coach Banker back when he was in Corvallis. And it was interesting because I, it was about redshirt reviews, and I was asking about all these redshirt players sitting in his office. But then I, it was after Oregon State. I believe it was maybe 07 or 08 or 09. One of the years that they lost Civil War that they could have gone to the Rose Bowl. And um, I was sitting there, and I said, you know, how do you stop the spread? And it was so interesting to get his, you know, he, he told me, like, and he, he, he threw some players under the bus and just basically said they didn't do their job, and they didn't do what they were, were taught to do because they tried to do too much. And, you know, and he said, if you ever post that, I will deny it to my grave. But this is why, and he like sat there on his whiteboard and diagrammed it all out and what they were supposed to do. I totally learned so much that day. But you know, a coach is not going to go on record and say that. Well, I mean, coaches that do, I mean, it rarely happens. But I mean, occasionally you'll get one guy who's just so fed up and he knows his job's on the line. But I think you're right. For the most part, you will not get the blunt honesty that us or fans really want. Yeah, exactly. It's very rare to find that kind of honesty in sports. You know, that's why we get Mike Leach on our show once in a while, and I know at times we'll ask a goofy question, and he'll ramble for like four minutes, and some people will be like, <laughs> ah, this guy's annoying, I hate this, and, and a lot of other people are like, this is hilarious. But that's why I like talking to him, is yeah. I think he's an individual that is not afraid to call it his players. He's done it after several games. Yeah. And I think he's always going to be wired that way. Well, you know, if the if the quarterback would throw the ball quicker, we'd actually be running our plays correctly. Or he calls the offensive line, says they're basically a grease spot. They're so soft they would get murdered in a fight to the death against anybody. But 
you know, I see why people like that or don't like it, but that's my point is Mike Leach is he's a diamond in a rough. You're not going to find that in the coaching industry very often. No, and, and yeah, he'll go off on tangents, but it's usually pretty, I mean, it's something that he's obviously thought a lot about. Well, and, yeah. I mean, pirates. I mean, who who doesn't want to hear him talk about <laughs> well, pirates? But he, here's the other thing, too, is I, I see why, I get why fans get annoyed of it. Um, it. It hasn't led me, though, to go down the avenue of fire the guy. Oh, completely. And, no. and he, here's the important part is this is a very fickle industry where media or coaches, like you, you say they're do the wrong thing and instantly the people that like you hate you. Um, but when you talk about Gary Anderson, let's not forget our feelings two years in, right? Where it wasn't a lot of wins, but we were like, yeah, here we go. The recruiting, the recruiting's yeah. okay. And the scheme seems good. And he's Gary Anderson. He left Wisconsin for Oregon state. And because the season went so the other way from expectation, three, four games in now, we want him fired. Like I get the frustration and anger as much as anybody I do. That is a really extreme opinion. The fact that people want him fired. Let's oh yeah, let this play out. Let uh, let him have his new recruiting class, whatever that's going to end up being in the rankings and and whoever he pulls in, and let's judge the guy next year. To me, it is more of a let's see where you're at next year. If they're going to be a three win team next year, that's a serious conversation. Of is there anybody willing to step up to bite a bullet financially for the university? Because if there's not. They are stuck with Gary Anderson till almost the end of that contract. Yeah, and, and you know, the, I think he's done so many things well. You know, the, the academics is doing better. Um, all the beyond football stuff that he does is, is amazing. Um, recruiting is doing better. Now, I'm, I'm anxious to see now that there's been some changes. You know, Coach Odom was a, a solid recruiter. He's gone down to San Jose. Brennan was a good recruiter, gone to San Jose. Oh, he recruited um, Odom. He's a good recruiter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a... So I'm anxious, but I, you know, the, you know, the jury's still out on Phillips, but I've heard great things about, you know, about him and he's landed some of the, you know, some of the guys that are, you know, Oregon State has. So right now all the commits are, are very solid. I mean, we, we touch it, take, touch base with them every single week and, and there's no wavering with these kids, including, you know, Spencer Petrus is a really solid quarterback. He's thrown up some good numbers and Adam Marin Catholic down in the Bay Area and, and he's solid. He's planning to graduate early and, and being on campus, you know, this next spring. So, um, you know, keeping those guys locked in and you know, as fans, I think it's easy to think, oh gosh, it's, it's, you know, everything's awful. The sky is falling and all these recruits are going to just say this is awful and want to go elsewhere. But, you know, I've been checking in with a lot of the visitors this weekend and one of the questions I asked was, hey, does Oregon State's not so stellar start does that scare you and every one of them is like no one one actually told me no it doesn't scare me at all in fact it, it shows me that maybe i can help them sooner rather than later yeah you get playing time quicker playing time yeah. so um you know and, and it will be a small class i know beaver fans are you know this isn't going to be like the 25 big class and you know i think that's one of the reasons that this team is maybe struggling is just leadership you know senior leadership is you know, you have some great guys. I'm not going to say any of them aren't good guys. I mean, Brandon Arnold is one of my favorite go-to interviews. Jordan Villeman, um, but Manasseh. But those aren't guys that are going to be, like, really in the locker room, you know, getting those guys fired up or being, um, you know, fiery leaders, I guess is the best way I to say it. I think that's that's a part, Angie, too, um, in, in terms of recruiting. And I don't know who it would be. Maybe Beaver fan out there has a feeling with, with some of the young talent. I guess that's a part of the recruiting that I want to see improve, though, is, look, the class ranking, maybe it ends up at 75. I, I don't know. And to be really frank, I kind of don't care that much. Like, I think it's important you do well in recruiting, obviously, but you're never going to do better than certain schools in this conference. Yeah. It's just, it's an uphill Absolutely. battle. It always will be. But you got to hit on the ones that you do get. I want to see the leadership quality, because right now, if I said, Angie, you lose the seniors, you now have a team of sophomore, juniors, and freshmen that are coming in, or redshirt freshmen that sat out, who is the leader of the team, right? Because I can tell you, well, you got Ryan Nall, you said Brandon Arnold, Villeman's been there a while, uh, Hungala, like, you have names that have been in this program for a few years, and we haven't identified one. So, who is it? Because I'm thinking of other programs right now, and the players on their teams, and I'm thinking, leader. Yep, they got leader. a leader. Yep. yep, they got a leader. Yep, they have leaders. Like, there are teams with leaders. This program, Gary Anderson can be a leader, and he can be that that guide towards turning the program around. 
but I think the leadership on the field, whether your offense or defense doesn't matter to me, you don't have that person who right now the whole team looks at or most of the team sees and motivates you and fires you up. They don't identify that. They don't have that. And that is an area that either needs to change by next year or you need to get that in recruiting. Yeah, and I, I see some guys. I mean, I, I really do. I think like a David Morris could be that guy. How vocal but it's hard is he, as, as a true freshman, you know? Yeah, but sometimes, you know what? I think that, see, that's a good one because he's been such a stud for them that if he, you know, albeit God willing, let the kids stay healthy and play all year, if you get to like week seven, eight, nine, let's say you're week nine and you're, you're one and eight. That's a moment where I don't care that you're a true freshman. He shouldn't yeah. care that he's a true freshman. This team sucks. They're not good. They don't have leadership. They're clearly looking for somebody to step up and kind of lead them on the field. If that kid's resume keeps stacking up the way it is his first year, he shouldn't be hesitant in stepping up in a leadership role, right? He shouldn't have that problem going, dude, screw this. We have two or three games left. I don't care that I'm a true freshman. I'm basically a sophomore in four months. Yeah, This stuff is changing now. Exactly. And that's, you know, I can see that happening with him, um, you know, looking Isaiah Hodgins, another true freshman that is getting playing time early. And, you know, these are guys that are going to have to grab this program. You know, they're total Gary Anderson recruits, have bought into that mentality. They, you know, these are the guys that need to, uh, you know, step up. Yeah. So everybody, though, that the the fans would care about recruiting-wise, every, everybody in that regard seems pretty locked in. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it's interesting because all I hear about on Blitz, I mean, and I, I wouldn't disagree, but, you know, the need of linemen. Oh, we need D-linemen. Oh, we need O-linemen. And I think it's easy to, to forget once guys commit that you actually have some. So, you know, Oregon State does have a D-tackle commit in Isaac, Isaac Hodgins, um, Isaiah's little brother. Little, I say little, but he's over 300 pounds already as a high school senior. And... Uh, they also have a DN that I know the coaching staff is very excited about, and Andy Cook out of Corona. So, um, you know, definitely some players, you know, there. O-linemen, definitely something that they need to uh, to focus on. I see offensive line is a big, big problem and uh, something they need to address. Yeah. Well, you know what? <clears throat> I'm just glad that kids are locked in. I, I want to ask you one more recruiting question. Uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher the kid's name for about the umpteenth time, but the Crescent Valley five-star kid uh, that was right there in their backyard, he made... Alanoa Hufunga. Yes, there you go. He narrowed his list down, and Oregon State didn't make the cut. What happened there? Just the losing. I mean, honestly, it, you know, Oregon State was in it, and that's the, that's the total sad part of this is, you know, Oregon State was in it. It was, you know, I know Oregon... Oregon State, Nebraska was in it, or was in it, USC. But USC is kind of the, thought to be the, the, the leader, leader. Yeah. The leader, you know, in the clubhouse right now. But Oregon State was in it. You know, he came to the Portland State game. He knows the coaches. He's there all the time. Um, but just, I mean, it, it's not a, a fun place to be right now, honestly. You know, it's, it's serious. It's, it's uh, the coaches, the players, they're dug in. They're trying to, to right this ship. And, you know, you know, it's a question. You know, Brandon, let's say you had a son, five-star. Would you want them to, you know, if they had options to go to USC, would, would Oregon State be like, would you say, look at them? You know, this is, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. That, I mean, that's, this is a whole different conversation of parenting, but uh, <laughs> I'd like to believe that if I ever was in a situation where I had a kid being recruited like that, I'd be there for like guidance. You know, if they asked my opinion on something, but for the most part, I would stay completely out of it. Let them yeah, make their own minds yeah. up, go on trips with them. If they liked one campus and the academic program and the coaching staff, like if they liked all that better at one school, regardless of school, I would not be one to go, hey, wait, 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 that team's losing. Like change your mind, right? And I see what you're saying. I know a lot of kids just like him. They're all over this country, the five stars. You don't see those kids want to go to bad programs very often or programs that are in the crapper. So I guess I'm not stunned. I guess I would just say, how do you how do you lose somebody that one visits all the time because he lives there, probably has relationships with some of those players, and two had interest in you, like you were at the top of his list at one point, and that was before you had won anything. So I get the losing part stacks up, but he had interest in him before they had won anything. I'm I'm just curious how this how do you well, drop the ball like talk, that? 
we, we talked about this, you know, before the season. You know, Oregon State's in on it, or, you know, was in on it with some really top-notch recruits, and they still are. Um, but that that fight gets tougher and tougher with every loss. You know, and I remember talking about it this August during the podcast and saying, hey, Oregon State's in on these guys, but they're going to have to win out of the gate and really show that what this coaching staff, because Coaching Anderson can't go in there now into living rooms and say, this is my vision. I mean, he can't. He has a vision, but this is how I'm going to turn it around. Yeah. Because we're in year, that'll be year four for these kids, and what he's been selling isn't, isn't working. Well, and So by this point, you need to be, he needs to be going in there. That's why the, the wins early this season was so imperative to go in and say, hey, we are on the right trajectory here. This is, it's turning around. You're the piece. You know, we need you. Right now, it's, you know, pretty much a shambles. But see, you said, see, that's the interesting part too is, Angie, he's going into the living room, right, and he's selling his vision and he's selling the future. What is the vision? I don't know if he knows the vision anymore. Like, I know the vision equals him competing and trying to win a Pac-12 title. That's not, you're not remotely close to that. You, no, you're not close. You are you're not the, even competitive. To me, they are the worst team in the conference. And I'm not even sure that that's a conversation at this point until we see otherwise. What is the vision? It's one thing to have your vision be winning. You got to have a way to get there. And and it feels like with the coaching changes that we mentioned earlier in the pod and the schematic changes that have have taken over, I don't know if the vision is clear anymore. And and that's why it's hard to sell recruits. These, you know, when they can sit there and say, "Yeah, this vision isn't taking shape." It's a hard sell. Well, and and take You can go to some kids that don't have as many options. Good players, but you know, not not a five star talent ready to come in and make an immediate con- contribution. You can go there and sell some playing time, and when their options are, you know, more limited. But when Oregon State is has really doesn't have this vision, and it, it they're not like I said, it's it's about the trajectory. Their trajectory's not, you know, going the right direction. That makes it a lot tougher to go in those living rooms. When you're going up against the SCs, the Stanfords, the Nebraska, you know, well, Nebraska, they they bought another another week, but um, you know, some of these storied programs that have not only do they have history and that kind of lore to their side, mm-hmm. they also have a winning trajectory. Well, I I think the um, it's not very often that you see an entire you know when a coach gets fired and a lot of the guys are kept on staff. I think the Nebraska one's very interesting. If Riley ends up, they let's say they get blown out and he finally gets fired, which it feels like that's uh, formality at this point. Does he keep any of the guys? Yeah, and, and for recruiting reasons and purposes, he might. You know, there there might be a, a guy or two on that staff that still keeps somewhat the ties to the Northwest the way that they have, and he decides to keep that individual. Says, you know what, I, I want to be out west like that, and. I want to keep you. So I think Nebraska is a really intriguing uh, situation. But here's the other part of that, too. If you're if you're Kevin Clune or you're, you're Kevin McGiven and the season's going horribly and nothing you're changing or doing is leading to any difference and you're in week 10, you're in week 11, what is your incentive on recruiting? Don't you know your job's done at that point? That's the tough exactly. part of coaching. That's the tough part of coaching. That's you know, I mean, do you keep them off the road, but then you're down, you're down player. I mean, that's you're basically telling recruits and everybody else what's going on if that happens. Yes, like, so they're done. That's why I'm not a coach. I don't make the big bucks. Yeah, you're right. We don't. I, I, I would be willing to take on a seven figure salary to try to figure it out. That's a, a risk I'd take in my life. I don't care if I get axed and hated on. I'd walk away with a lot of money, but that's the part of coaching that. Um, I don't know. The old Gare Bear, he really needs to figure it out. I, I'm going to continue to just go 76ers here and trust the process. I know it's not easy. I know it's not fun. I'm going to be at that game this week, and I don't expect it to be very entertaining from the Oregon State side. But um, I do. I do like what he sells, though. I, I like but what, what he says. But what is he selling, though? What is he selling to them? Well, I, I just I think I what I like is what he is. Thing. Now, we haven't seen that, and that's the hardest part, I think, for, for an Oregon State fan. But I like the toughness that he's selling. I, I like – but yet the defense is, is not playing tough. You know, I mean, so I see where he wants it to go. At least I think I see where he wants it to go. But when you don't see results, that's the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with and you. And, I, I mean, obviously I think it's taking a toll on him. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine that things are, he feels a lot worse in there than he's letting on. Oh, completely. I mean, could you would have to where, yeah. How is you, how would your stress not be through the roof? How would you not be on weird sleep schedules? Like I bet that's what he's enduring. We've all gone through stress in our job. Right. And for those out there that can relate to that, I have, I've done it in the, yeah, the immediate industry and I didn't, when I got, uh, I didn't get fired, but like my contract ran out with Comcast and they wanted to go a different route. They wanted one beat reporter to cover Oregon and Oregon state. And I, I remember hearing that I was like, that's not going to work. You're going to be completely biased one way. And Comcast was like, yeah, we, we could be, we could be fair. We could balanced. I'm like, okay, well easy there. Fox news. It's not going to be fair and balanced. It's going to be one sided, yeah. but yeah, I remember when that happened, I found out my contract was not going to be renewed. I didn't sleep right for like two weeks. I was stressed. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm young. I got a kid. I like, what am I going to do? Am I going to find a media job? Do I go get a different job in a different industry? And that we're talking, we're talking Franks and beans here. I'm making. Yeah. Nothing. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's, you know, I just went through it with, with scout. I mean, I'd been with rivals for, well, gosh, I started in 06, but the side had been with rivals since 2002. And, um, you know, I made the decision to, to move, to scout and, you know, just because of the strong Pac-12 and the great analysts and the regional analysts and we make the move and, and everybody moves with us. It's great. And then two months in, I find out scouts filing bankruptcy. Yeah. I remember seeing that headline. Like, that was, are you kidding? I, I like, mean, Whoa. seriously, I didn't sleep. I, I, you know, it was awful. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. And that's again, I can't, you know, that's not, that's like you pork and beans. It's, it's McDonald's. It's Taco Bell uh, yeah. salary. It's, well, yeah, versus his Ruth Chris Steakhouse type exactly, salary. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing too is like at the end of the day, I'm I'm sure there's some perspective that he keeps, but I think that's the whole point of what we're saying though, right? Is he is going through the most stressful time, I think, ever in his professional life. He's exactly. had ups and downs. This is this is about as down as I think he's been and, and ever he's been. He's the head coach, right? I mean, he's. It's not like an assistant going through some tough times. He's the head man, and so not only is he trying to ride the ship for his players, and I, I, there's no doubt that those guys become like his own kids. I mean, I cover these kid, you know, these guys, and a lot of them do. I mean, I know the families, and they are. They're kind of like you kind of root for them like you would a kid, your kid, because you see them all the time, and you, mm-hmm. you, know, you hope they succeed. So not only does he have that, but he has all these assistants that yeah. he doesn't want to let down. Yeah. But, I mean, that's a tough – he might have to make some really tough decisions here and friends and longtime coworkers that he might have to make some decisions. And, well, but I, I think the one thing we don't want to dive into uh, too much, Angie, is we got to be careful with that, though, of saying, well, he's got tough decisions. It's not going to be easy. There were decisions that weren't made on the previous staff because of loyalty and it being a tough decision, and fans did not like that or appreciate it whatsoever. It's – I can I can relate, and I think that's what you're doing. But I also I think it's important. Like fans don't care that he's good friends with Kevin Clune. He doesn't. Yeah, they yeah. don't care that they've known each other since 19 whatever. If he's not produ- producing a good defense or a defense that has improved, they want him out. They want to yeah. see oh, change. Completely. You know what I mean? They I mean, want to see it be better. Oregon State gave the last regime the ability to do that. You know, to keep the guys, keep keep the staff intact, and you look what happens when. They moved to Nebraska. Things, you know, weren't quite as... Well, and that's where the loyalty died, didn't it? Because in Corvallis, you can get away if you're running an athletic department, basically, and you're you're winning six games. Oh, contract extension. When you're running it that way, you you can be as loyal as you want to be, and everybody else can just shut it. Whereas you go to Nebraska and you struggle and you lose to Northern Illinois or you yeah, struggle last year. Shot. Mark Banker got to go. And you're like, well, I like him. And they're like, we don't care. He got to go. And you're like... Okay, well, it's better mark than me. And now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think you're not getting the same pressure because Oregon State's never going to be that school, in my opinion. But I, I'm just wondering how it's building internally. Like, where do you think the pressure is going to be on for Gary Anderson? Like one through ten, if they finish this year, projecting out how we think they're going to project out. How how involved is the athletic department and Scott Barnes in maybe pushing for change if Gary Anderson's not quite there? You know, that's going to be the interesting, you know, because Scott's new and he also has ties with Anderson back at Utah State. So, you know, they're friends. But I think looking at it from at least what I'm seeing from boosters and the donors, he's going to have to force some kind of change if it, if it continues on a, you know, 1-11, 2-10 type season. 
Yeah. Because he, he might not, Gary might not be losing the, the locker room, but he's losing the fan base. Oh, I mean, we, we can get to this right now since we've talked a lot about just uh, philosophical deep things with coaching, but how bad's the attendance going to be? It's going to be so bad. I mean, how much barking in purple? My, my cousin's going to be <laughs> wearing a purple shirt. Um, I'm sure we're going to hear barks echoing throughout the It's going to be a lot of purple. And I think it's going to be a lot of empty seats. The students are back now, so that's, I guess, something to be encouraged. And maybe students will go to the game because the students haven't been there. This is their first game of the, the year. the lead by halftime. I mean, yeah, if the, if the lead is bad. Yeah. So no, what's, what, if I set the over-under, it's capacity 45, let's just say round up. I'll set the over-under at 31. Under. I think it's under. Supposed to rain. It's but yeah. I, it might rain. Yeah, there's. It's like a fifty-fifty right now if it rains or not. Five o'clock. If you stay for the whole thing, you're probably not getting home till like nine thirty, ten. Given that it's a three and a half, four hour yeah. game, and then the hour drive. But yeah, I mean, I also can't blame people. I, I am a very big advocate of be the change that you want to see. And I've I've been on that with Oregon State fan, and some call me out. You don't go to every game. What? Who are you to? I get that. I do. I don't mean to be hypocritical, um, but I see a lot of other fan bases. They still show up when their team's not very good or they show up when they want to see their team be better, so they show up and they're loud. And Whereas Oregon State thinks it's a little different for a lot of the fan base. But I'll just give you an example here, Angie. I bought tickets for this game. I could have easily just used a media pass, got in free, but I'm like, you know what? I want to sit in a good seat and I don't want to worry about anything. Uh-huh. I, I wondered if I was getting ripped off on Monday morning, I bought them Sunday night. Monday morning, I get out of my car, go to work, and I'm like, "Did I get ripped off yesterday? Is thirty <laughs> is thirty bucks a ticket too much?" <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you one better because my brother has a big birthday coming up uh, in a couple weeks, and so his wife, this was like this summer, once wanted to surprise him, and she bought I think six tickets for like two of their family's best friends, the you know husbands and wives to all go, six of them down to this game together, and. Uh, yeah, I, I. She said I paid a lot of money for these tickets. She's like, no, I don't even want to go. Well, and I, yeah. If you, I mean, if you go on, if if StubHub and websites like that are any indicator, I mean, I think we're looking at thousands that are available right now. Wow. I bought, I bought a group. I bought two tickets out of a clump because I'm sitting on the alumni side. Okay. And look, thirty bucks. It's not breaking my my pockets. I don't want you guys to uh, misconstrue that. I am a cheapskate, but thirty bucks is not make or break <laughs> in my bank account. I was just wondering, product wise, is it worth it? Um, I'm sitting, I think, like four rows up from the sideline field. I paid thirty bucks for that ticket, so that just show you behind the students. Then no, no, no. no. The, the alumni. The side. I'm on okay. the alumni side, the old side, and I'm like four rows up from the field. Okay. For thirty bucks, like normally that is way more pricey when the team's decent. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking. I, I still remember going down to the Stanford, the new Stanford Stadium, and pa- buying um, tickets for two dollars a piece. Two bucks? Yeah. God, that's StubHub. unreal. Yeah, but, it was awesome. I mean, I'm looking now, Angie, and yeah, I mean, you. I bought a clump, like two out of like fourteen tickets. <laughs> Somebody have fourteen tickets that is just selling them off in clumps if you want them. Wow. So it's. I think it's going to be bad too. Maybe I should come down and sit with you. I mean, there's a the press box, you know, down to. There might be whole rows available where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I I think the alumni, the old side's pretty good. Like that, they're they're about as consistent the fans as you're gonna yeah, get. Yeah. But I remember the Boise State game last year. I saw way more blue and orange in that section than I ever thought I would. I'm wondering how much purple I'm gonna see on that side. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of purple. And that's the tough part, isn't it? In tying this whole thing together. I know we didn't get much to the game, but. Do you guys really there's want to really talk not about the much, game? Yeah, there's not much to talk about. They're out the game. physical, outmanned in every possible category here. But I think to tie it all together is you like the message, right? I still trust in Gary Anderson. A lot of fans differ with our opinions on some of that stuff. I, I just don't know how do you get it back. I don't think it's as simple as simply saying win a game. I don't think that's going to do it. I think this year people know this team's not good. They're too smart football wise to be fooled and say, well, hey, they beat Arizona. Eh, no, no, no. That was yeah. Arizona's not that great either. I don't think it's going to be that simple. And I don't think it's going to be as easy as winning game one next year either. Who I can't remember who they play, but whoever week one is, I don't Ohio think it's Ohio State. Is that their week one? I believe so. I know they play the Buckeyes. I'm planning on going to that one, but I just, 
I don't know what it's going to take for him to win back the fans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, aside from flipping it right now and, you know, playing, at least playing Washington tough, playing USC tough, and then, you know, pulling out some wins against, you know, Colorado, Stanford, Cal, that that's like the next, that would be your next Colorado, Stanford, Cal would be right after the, you know, so that's, it'll be tough, but I think those two or those three are close. And then you have Arizona State at home or Arizona, Arizona on the road, yeah. Arizona State at home in Oregon. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's the only way to get fans in that, you know, and it also, you know, restores some faith, you know, is some, you know, that was, you know, I, I had this conversation down in Corvallis last week. Um, you know, I, I said it kind of felt like when I was a student with Pettibone days. And there was a long time, he'd been around Oregon State for a long time and a long time fan. And he laughed at me and he said, no, it reminds me of the 80s because at least Pettibone had competitive defenses. Well, look, I'm, And that was before my time. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't remember the 80s, but um, I mean, that was the thing. Rocky Long did have some, some good defenses. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I'm a betting man. If I'm betting on any of the remaining schedules, wait, no, you're a degenerate. Yeah, well, <laughs> I probably exaggerate that a little bit, but like, I like to bet on on football, and zero chance I'd lay any money against any of their opponents on that schedule. Any yeah. of yeah. Arizona, ASU. I don't care if they're home road, not that good. It don't matter. Like a- a- Oregon State is the worst team in this conference right now until they show me otherwise. I can't change my opinion on that. So realistically, I don't see a win on their schedule remaining. That's a one-win season. When was the last? What was the last big year you think in just the the stadium for Oregon State? Was it the year they won nine games, the twenty twelve season? Probably, yeah. And how many games in do you think it took for fans to all show up to that one? Because I'm trying to think of sellouts. I think they had one or two that year. They did have a couple that year, and I think but it that took was a while probably, because remember yeah. Riley was notorious for his slow starts. Yeah, well, and even when he he started off good, I think people were still kind of like, Meh. yeah. <laughs> maybe 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 it was the BYU win at Provo with Vaz, where he was like, "Holy crap!" Vaz. Yeah, that yeah. But was that what year was that? That was 2012. That's the year they okay, won. That, yeah, games. I was going to say that was 2012. Okay. Yeah. So that I mean that's your last year. Yeah, because, well, but remember they lost they that year 2012 they they lost a close one. They lost by three to Wisconsin. Oh no! I'm sorry. They beat Wisconsin. They beat Wisconsin that year, ten seven. Yeah, they and started they, off six and zero. Yep. They yep, were that was. Yeah, six and zero or five and zero, and they were six in the country. And then they went to Seattle, and for some reason, he changed quarterbacks. That's right. They went back to Mannion. I love me some Mannion, but come on, dude, you ride the hot hand. That's what George is about to do. They got Eason on the sidelines, and this Fromm kid's coming in playing well. Kirby yeah. Smart's going to go with who wins your ball games. But yep. look, that's a long time ago. So let's not dive into that season. But that's my point. That's five years ago. Because thirteen, yeah. they were disappointing. Fourteen, they were. That was like the last year of people going. All right. Well, I don't think we're turning this around. Fifteen was bad, and then in comes Gary with. Um, or no, fifteen was his first year. Sixteen last his, year. Yep. Seventeen this year. So fourteen was the official last year, and people didn't want Riley, and then Riley leaves. It's been five seasons since they've had buzz in that stadium. That's a long yeah. time. A long time. It's tough. I don't know what it takes. I don't, uh, I'd like, I mean, I know obviously winning, you got to win, but when are they going to pull off a decent amount of wins to get everybody to go, God, it's worth 40 bucks. It's worth 45, 50, 35, whatever. I have to be at that game. When is that point happening? That's the tough part for Gary Anderson. But the good news for Buer fan is that you and I will be talking about it each week. Yes, we will. As depressing as it may be at times, we will be talking about it. We're here for you guys because like you, and everybody you know that roots for Oregon State, we uh, we go through this crap too. Um, and I'll be there. I'll be there in attendance. If you see me, if you recognize me, probably won't. But if you do, don't uh, don't hesitate. Stop in, say hi. I know that happened with Angie the last home game that they had, so we appreciate the listeners that uh, listen on a weekly basis. I know it's tough. They suck. They're not good. I get it. But uh, I still find it interesting because of who Gary Anderson is because of where they were versus where we thought they would be this year um, and where the future is. There's still interesting things to me with this program. So sorry if it's been depressing at times this season. We're trying to make the conversations um, more broad than just going in because I think X's and O's are really boring. 
And simply put, I don't need to know X's and O's to know that one team gets pushed around most of the weeks and the other teams dominate them. So, but we still appreciate you listening. And we're here. <laughs> we're here. We're here. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to get to? Oh, real quick. Do you think Gerritsen will work better for their offense? I do, and that that is one thing I do. I, I see, um, you know, this is an offense. I I don't know if I got into this last week or not on the pod, but this is, you know, I, I talk Beaver football all the time, so I, I don't remember if I talked about it on the pod or just in the in the lodge. But this is an offense that was built on a uh, you know run pass option offense. The line was built for that. You know, every the blocking schemes, everything is made for this offense, and then trying to cram a a, a square you know, peg in a round hole with Luton being more of a pro style guy. I do think the offense will perform better. Okay. Um, I'm going to be optimistic and say, I hope the same. I don't know if it's this week though. Uh, I know the running attack and all that. Like we, we, I talked to Parker earlier and uh, (laughs) he was like, yeah, the ground game, they get the ground game going. I'm like, yeah, Colorado wanted to run the ball too. And Washington said, nah, we're good. You're not running the ball. We'll have Steven Montez throw us three picks. So yeah, yeah. this may, I'm more I think I'm as a Beaver fan I'm more concerned with the defense stopping them. Yeah, I mean, Browning hasn't had to do that much this year and they're running like they're starting to run the ball more efficiently. Um so look, it's it may not be this week. It may not even be in LA. I'll be at LA as well. Maybe it's the week after that. Maybe it's the what is that? Is that Colorado? Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's the buffs where you can get things going a little bit, but I'll try to be optimistic and say they're a little more efficient with Garrettson because he can pull the ball back and uh, he can run better than Jake Luton. So hopefully he stays healthy because I think then you're officially in just dire straight territory at quarterback. Um, but uh, hoping for the best for Dale Garrettson. So, all right. Is there anything else you want to get to? No. I just, you know, check out Beaver Blitz, listen to uh, 1080 The Fan and. We'll be back next week. There we go. We'll have another edition of the damn podcast. Um, hopefully the game is all right. It's a good atmosphere for the ones that show up. I'm going to head to local boys to get my mood up before the game. Nice, so that's my nice. go-to move. And come, and come say hi. Like like Brandon said, if you guys are down there, see yeah. us. Just jump in front of us. Yes. If you see say Angie, hi. you see myself, just don't hesitate. Just say hey. Um, I love to talk football with, with anybody and everybody. And so uh, say what's up. All right, you guys enjoy the game. Hopefully it's not too bad. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the damn podcast. Don't forget, beaverblitz.com for Angie's great work and 1080 The Fan Monday through Friday, noon to 3. We'll be back next week, another edition of the damn podcast. Check it here and subscribe. Leave good reviews. Do all that good stuff for us. We appreciate it. And we'll talk next week.